Well, good morning again. <clears throat> it's good to see everybody. Uh, we are in the book of Titus. If you could turn to the book of Titus, we're going to read a few verses this morning in chapter 3. Today's sermon is titled The Spirit of Renewal, and we're going to be talking about the Spirit Himself today. Titus chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but, in, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Those verses right there, 4 through 7, are extremely powerful verses that should impact a believer's life greatly. And that's what we are going to explore today, the spirit of renewal. I will tell you to start, it is very unfortunate that there are times when individuals, and yes, even churches, have not emphasized the Holy Spirit. Some even have diminished the ministry of the Holy Spirit even more, not recognizing Him as God. Folks, He is one of the three that make up the Godhead. Our God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is who we call God. So, the reason we can find ourselves, and we're going to go over this word, but the reason we can find ourselves regenerated and being renewed is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The reason we can have a connection to God, a restored connection, mind you, is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of renewal for all those who come to believe. And it is because of Him that we are continually renewed. That's where we are right now. The Holy Spirit as God. Now, I love this verse on, uh, where it talks about the appearing. When the goodness, loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. This is both in His appearing into this world and fulfilling His work on the cross, but it's also His appearing in each of our personal lives. And if you're a believer here today, you understand that Jesus has appeared in your life. Now, His appearing, let's clear the air, has nothing to do with your works. It has nothing to do with what you will do or have done. It is only because of His goodness. It is only because of His loving kindness. And it is only because of His mercy that He saved us. We have done nothing. This is God and God alone. If mankind could be saved by their own works, then there would be no need for salvation. If there was some loophole, if there was some other way, Jesus' work on the cross would have, not, or would have been unnecessary. It would have been unnecessary. However, there is no way that man can save himself, although we live in a world that believes it's exactly how it works. 
in His appearing, He saved us. That's the bottom line. So this plan of salvation, it's grounded in love to mankind. It is the highest expression of love. This love that saved us. You know, all three in the Godhead um, are involved in the salvation process. A lot of people don't realize this, but all three are involved in the salvation process. Everybody look at verse 6 that we read. Chapter 3, verse 6. That word whom there is talking about the Holy Spirit previously in verse 5. So we're talking about whom? The Holy Spirit, right? He who is the Father poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. All three in the Godhead are involved. But it is the Holy Spirit who puts into effect who puts into effect the work of the Father and the Son on us. The believer becomes a new person by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This new person is the one who receives the washing of regeneration and renewal. Again, guys, this is through God, the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to talk about the washing of regeneration, and we're going to talk about renewal which are basically the same thing. We're going to talk about that. But when you think of the Holy Spirit, most of the time in Scripture we look at the indwelling and we look at what we call the filling. Those are the two big words. I discovered a while back one of the... I, just, I love this illustration, so I'm going to share it because I think it brings a lot of clarity to what indwelt and fill is, okay? So let's first talk about his indwelling here. I'll give you the illustration in a sec hold you to the, the edge of your seats there. I want to talk about indwelling first, because this is, this is where Christians get really confused. They don't realize that the Holy Spirit convicts first. If you read Scripture, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And I think we can all agree that. Yeah, John the Baptist was first. He prepared the way for Jesus in his ministry. Folks, the Holy Spirit prepares you for the appearing of Jesus. A lot of people don't know this. The Holy Spirit's began to work on you before salvation. You are, the process has started. In fact, John 16.8, I have a lot of verses today. John 16.8 says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me stop there. Verses 9-11 through 11 explain this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to paraphrase here. He comes to convict the world because the world does not believe in Him. He comes to convict the world of sin because they don't understand what they're living in. We are convicted first. He starts working on us in conviction first. And then we look at to righteousness. Listen, Jesus descended, lived this perfect life, and ascended. Here is the standard of righteousness for us. Not our self-righteousness, not worldly righteousness. He has shown us and convicts us of His righteousness. And He convicts us of judgment. Folks, there is a day scheduled. There is a date and there is a time where this ends and judgment comes. So He begins to convict us first. He works on us first. Then He regenerates. And we're going to explore regenerates in a minute, but regenerates. John 3, 6-7 through says this, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here about being born again, but he's talking about it spiritually. 
there is a great, it's not an argument, but there's a, a great topic that's explored. Did Adam and Eve possess the Holy Spirit in the very beginning? Some say yes, although we don't have evidence or proof of that. Some say no, although we don't have evidence or proof of that. The Bible doesn't give us that. But I can tell you something that it does uh, give us. The Bible tells us that they were in perfect union with God. They communed with God. Folks, it was a perfect existence. It was a perfect relationship that was severed, cut, broken. I do know that much. So when I talk about regenerate, I want to define it. It's a rebirth. It's to create or produce again, to bring forth again. The word renewal always means the same thing, to be made new. So when we're regenerated, we are rebirthed. We are made new. Work of the Holy Spirit. Come back to that. When we are regenerated, He takes up residence in us. He takes up residence. John 14, 16-17. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. He takes up residence. And I love this. Once He takes up residence, we are sealed. Ephesians 1, 13-14 In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. We are sealed. So let me review. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit first convicts you. He's going to prepare you for Jesus' appearing. Then when the appearing happens, you become regenerated. You are made new as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and seals you as God's child for eternity. That is beautiful. That is a gift of God. We were given the Holy Spirit, and He indwells us. Now let me give you my favorite illustration, because we're going to start to distinguish the um, indwelling and the infilling. Unlike other kinds of power, we do not harness God's spiritual power, but we yield to it in faith. Yield. We give way to it. So, the New Testament speaks of Christians being both indwelt and filled by the Holy Spirit. And there's a bit of a difference here. Through its wiring, through its wiring system, a building can possess electricity. You've got your electrical boxes, you've got your wires and your cables running to and from, right? And you've got your outlets. So the building itself, it's wired by electricity. However, it's filled with its power only as it is allowed to work through the electrical appliances plugged in, such as light bulbs, refrigerators, right? Any kind of thing with an electric motor. The building is wired for electricity, but until we utilize that electricity, we are not filling it. So, at the moment of regeneration, 
the Christian, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but the individual is filled when he yields his life to the Spirit's direction and power. If you wish to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must yield your body, your total self, to him so that he might work in you and through you. And I love the idea of the building wired and then plugging in and seeing that power, that outward expression of power. So we have the indwelling. Let's talk about the filling. Remember the indwelling is conviction, regeneration, residence, sealed. And what happens next? What is this filling? What is this power that we're yielding to? Well, we first start with cultivating Christ-like qualities. And you probably already know where I'm going. Galatians 5, 22-23 talks about the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here is the fruit of the Spirit that begins to be cultivated. Folks, and we can see the fruit of our sin. Look at verse 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. We didn't read this, but look at it. Verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. So, look at this. Look at the contrast between the Spirit's fruit right? And sin's fruit. Yes, sin produces fruit as well. You can see the great contrast. But then we look at verse 5 there and it says, He saved us. He saved us. He took us from verse 3, right? And applied the rest of this text to us. I love this. He has washed away our sins. He has regenerated us he is renewing us through the powerful indwelling, uh, excuse me, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So the fruit is produced when you and I yield to His power, His powerful presence, mind you, in us. When we yield to that presence, that is where we see this fruit cultivated and poured out in our lives. He does another wonderful thing when He's filling us. He teaches us. And I know for a fact a lot of you have talked to me before. You know when the Holy Spirit reaches you and teaches you. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything even the depths of God. The Spirit teaches us. He also leads. We are sheep. We, ne- we need to be led. He guides and leads us. Romans 8.14 For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He teaches. He leads. He cultivates. He assures us. Everybody in this room must love the word assurance. Romans 8.16 The Spirit, Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I love that verse. 
The Spirit Himself is bearing witness that I, that you, are a child of God. Remember, we were sealed. That's my little X mark when we're sealed. We are marked for all of the benefits that God has promised. So we are assured of it. And what I need in my life, probably you too, the Holy Spirit, as we're filled, strengthens us. Ephesians 3, 16. That, according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. We're strengthened. And with that strength comes empowerment. Yes, the Holy Spirit empowers both you and I. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are empowered just like we see these wonderful disciples who continued the ministry of Jesus, we are empowered to tell another person what we know. We are empowered to share the gospel or to present Jesus to somebody else in our life. That's empowerment. And with that comes something wonderful. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Everybody is blessed with spiritual gifts. And the Spirit blesses us to enhance and build the church. He blesses us with these gifts so that we can serve each other and further the kingdom of God in our church, our communities, and again, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So we're empowered, folks. So cultivating Christ-like qualities, He's teaching us, He's leading us, all of these wonderful things. So we are indwelt with the Spirit. We are wired for electricity, aren't we? We're wired for it. And then filled with the Spirit as we yield to Him, allowing that electricity to flow outward when it works through the devices utilizing that power. And what does it yield? I'll say it again, Christ-like fruit, teaching, guidance, assurance, strength, empowerment, the application of the spiritual gifts that are God-given. What it is, is the outpouring of the Spirit in our lives. That is the indwelling, and that is the filling. And every believer should want to and strive to yield to that power, because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he's in there. Here's another approach. We're going to do multi-sensory teaching today. I'm going to bring another approach right now. Here is another way to understand the believer's life brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me explain. I didn't bring any visual aids to show how this works. But I'm willing to guess you guys have seen somebody drunk in your life, or perhaps you yourself were intoxicated and experienced that drunkenness at some point in your life. What happens when someone drinks in excess is they become filled and controlled by that substance. Alcohol doesn't just target one part of the body, ladies and gentlemen. If you've ever seen someone just slap silly drunk, it controls the whole body, their eyes, their speech, 
their muscles, their movements. It controls everything. And what Paul was trying to say here is that instead of being controlled by wine that controls the whole self, allow the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit because He controls the whole self. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the same thing. You can be filled with alcohol and allow that to control every, all your senses, but you can also be filled with the Holy Spirit and let Him control your life. And that's a great exp- uh, exp- explanation. But I also like the way D.L. Moody put it. D.L. Moody was a, a famous evangelist. He, he, he illustrated this truth this way. He said to his audience, he held up a glass, and he said to his audience, how can I get the air out of this glass? And one man said, well, just suck it out. You know, just suck it out with a pump. And Moody replied, well, that would create a vacuum and the glass would shatter. So after many impossible suggestions as how to get the air out of this glass, he kind of just smiled at everybody and took out a pitcher of water and just filled the glass. And as he filled the glass and smiling, all the air, of course, was removed. And that was his illustration. He went on to say that to show that victory in the Christian life, right, To have victory in the Christian life is not just by sucking out a sin here and sucking out a sin there, but rather being filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit then is in control. And that was his point, and I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful point. So, for believers, the Holy Spirit is present. He is in you. This is the indwelling. However, being filled, the infilling of the Spirit, this brings light to decision. Yes, we have a decision to make. How are we going to respond? Folks, Ephesians 4.30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now again, this verse, it backs the other one up. We're sealed, aren't we, for the day of redemption, but we have opportunity to grieve the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. We have the ability to quench the Spirit? Okay then, there's a decision that needs to be made. We are going to shed light on this decision. How are we going to respond? In other words, we are not allowing the Spirit to reveal Himself the way He wants to be revealed. We are hindering that, right? Right? We are quenching it. We are grieving it. The godly lifestyle that the Spirit is directing us to live, we are making the decision to quench or to grieve. So yes, Christians, there is a decision to make when it comes to allowing the Holy Spirit as you yield to His power. There is the decision. Again, both grieving and quenching hinder that godly lifestyle. So it becomes an act of the will on our part to decide to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, because that's the point, to work in us and through us. And this is why renewal is so important to a Christian, because the presence of the Spirit, right, and you and I yielding to His power enables the believer to live a life, right, a manner pleasing to God to live life in a manner pleasing to God. So let's get to this washing of regeneration because this is important. 
This is the inner spiritual cleansing, right? Washing refers to the work of the Holy Spirit and cleansing an individual from sin. This is the new birth effected by the Holy Spirit, which also affects an ongoing renewal that sanctifies the sinner. So don't don't lose me here. Yes, renewal means to be made new, just like regeneration, but renewal also is a continual process. The Christian experience is both. And this cleansing is outwardly symbolized right here in our baptismal. It's outwardly symbolized. It is an emblem of the washing away of sin. It is not the means. This baptism here is not the means. It's the emblem, right? The means is the regeneration through the Spirit. Spirit at the moment of salvation. The Spirit baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. That's what happens. You are baptized into the body of Christ. And baptism here, one of the ordinances that we practice, that is an outward expression of what has happened through regeneration on the inside. That's why we do baptism. To express a believer's faith in Christ. They were buried dead and raised, right? They have been regenerated. Here is the outward expression. Now, renewal. Again, I just mentioned it. I mentioned that the Spirit also affects the ongoing renewal for the believer. This is the continual process of sanctification, meaning we are filled with the Spirit, right? So, being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It is a continual experience, It is a continual experience. Renewal does not come from church planning. Renewal does not come from our church programs. Renewal does not come from the amount of classes you attend weekly. Renewal does not come from revival events or conferences. The key to renewal is the person of the Holy Spirit. We are constantly being renewed. We don't need to look to events or other circumstances to say, I'll be renewed then. You can be renewed constantly, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you when you yield to His power. We have got to remember that He is the Spirit of renewal. And what happens? What happens here? The Bible tells us that He is poured out. I love that. Poured out. The sinner experiences the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Folks, not a part not a peace, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, He brought salvation to us, right, through His death on the cross. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus left nothing lacking. Jesus left nothing lacking in this sacrifice. It was full and it was complete. And because of this, you and I get to receive the full measure of the Spirit's saving and sanctifying presence in our lives. This is a gift. So the Spirit, we're renewed. It's a renewal. He's poured out upon us. Something wonderful happens. We become justified. We are moved from a state of sin to a state of grace declared righteous. Again, what Jesus did for us, the Spirit puts into effect. Jesus' actions justified us. And the Spirit moves us into that position of being declared righteous because of His ultimate act of love 
towards us. And I'll say it again. His goodness and his loving kindness, uh, loving kindness appeared to us. The appearing did this. See, all three of the Godhead, I don't know why I held four fingers up, all three of the Godhead work together in our salvation process here. It's a beautiful thing. A man could not conjure this up, by the way. A man couldn't think this up. That's why this is so real. Praise God for that. So his goodness and his loving and kindness appeared. So we were regenerated and made new, right? As he's poured out upon us, we become justified and we become heirs. Let's talk about heirs. I love this part. Here, we can with confidence... We sang that song today. I did not plan that. That is pretty cool. Here we can, with confidence, expect that what God has promised us will happen. We can't get that in this world, can we? Not that kind of guarantee. With confidence, we can expect what God has promised will happen because we are beneficiaries to the future hope that we are grounded in. Beneficiaries to the future hope that we are grounded in right here and now. I love that. Justified by His grace, His grace only. We didn't do anything. There is no way to be declared righteous. No way. Jesus had to declare us righteous. And the Holy Spirit puts that into effect in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. He has sealed us for this. That's why we should wake up every morning with a smile on our face and go to sleep at night with a smile on our face because we have been sealed for this. So, salvation is not just a past event. A lot of times we look at it like that. Salvation is not just a past event in which the sinner experiences the work of the Holy Spirit. No, His work in our salvation extends into our present and as well as we will see as we will soon see, our future. Salvation is not just a past event. And He is the source for our abundant life. And I say abundant because we are gifted in Christ. It is an abundant life, living in the hearts of believers. So, our goal is to yield to the Spirit's power so that we live a Spirit-filled life One that overflows into our everyday practical living. That is the goal. Let it flow into our everyday practical living. This is you and I allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself as He wants to be seen. In other words, more of Him and less of you and less of me. I learned something a while back. And I'm, I'm glad I can use it today. You guys ever heard of a man named Fred Rogers? Fred Rogers? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Who, who's ever watched Mr. Rogers? Yes! Oh, you young people missed out on Mr. Rogers. Let me tell you what. He was a cool dude. I, now, I didn't know that he was an ordained minister. He, did, he went to seminary. He sure did. And he has this story that he tells. And the author who, who wrote this article, who I, I really liked her article, Um, said something wonderful at the end I'm going to share with you. But Mr. Rogers said, years ago, my wife and I were worshiping in a little church with friends of ours. Okay, They were on vacation together, and the four of them were worshiping. And during this time, Mr. Rogers was in the middle of his homiletics course. 
in seminary. Homiletics is the art of preaching, the study and art of preaching. Anybody in seminary has taken homiletic courses. And that was what he was smack dab in. So during this sermon, as all pastors do across this globe, he was judging the pastor preaching. Obviously, right? So Mr. Rogers there is kind of marking every mistake that he said this elderly preacher or that Mr. Rogers thought he was making. Just marking, yeah, he, oh, he didn't do that. Oh, he didn't do that. No, he's got to lead with this and then end with it. Mr. Rogers was just marking it off. And he said, I love this, he said this, with this when this interminable sermon, means this, when this long, long, long sermon finally ended, he turned to one of his friends intending to say something critical. Mr. Rogers? Yes, he was turning to his friend to say something critical about the sermon, but he stopped himself because he saw the tears running down his friend's face. She was crying. He was turning to say something critical, and he stopped. And she whispered to him. She whispered this. She said, he said exactly what I needed to hear. That's powerful. This was a real seminal moment for him. This was a a real experience for Mr. Rogers. I'll tell you why. Because he said he was judging, and she was needing, and the Holy Spirit responded to need rather than judgment. Right? That is strong. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, my goodness, how real is that in our world? And then she said, the article, the lady said this, and I love what she wrote. She said, although we must give ministry our best effort, and I think we'd all agree with that wherever we serve, we give it our best effort. We must never forget that the Holy Spirit can work through even the most faulty instrument. And that's what I loved. This book right here, folks, is full of faulty instruments. You are a faulty instrument. I am most definitely a faulty instrument. But here's the beauty of being a faulty instrument. This is when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to work in us and through us. Do you realize, faulty instruments, that the Spirit can be working in your life as He's working in another and use you, this faulty instrument, through His power in this person's life. This is how we are connected. This is our connection to each other and God. The Spirit can use me in somebody else's life. He can use you in somebody else's life where they have a need, where they need to be served as He's working in yours. We can't do that on our own. We have to have the empowerment and the the leading and the teaching and the filling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be empowered enough to do that. And He uses us faulty instruments just like that. So, so we know that the Holy Spirit resides in us. We need to let Him work in us. If He's living there, let Him work in us so that He can work through us. See, we are regenerated through the work of the Holy Spirit. We've come to understand that. He indwells the believer. We've come to understand that. He fills the believer. We got it. He renews the mind. He renews the heart. He helps us not to conform to this world. He helps us to be transformed. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is our source. He is our source, bringing in the gift of new birth and renewal to those who have been called to faith. Church family, He is the Spirit of renewal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, You have have gifted us in so many things. So many things. We're undeserving of it. 
We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your care. We don't deserve this beautiful Holy Spirit that you've allowed to indwell us, Father, to guide us, to connect us to you. But you've given it freely, Lord, and it's ours. Thank you. Father, we pray right now for the Holy Spirit, for him to work in our lives right now. Father, renewal comes from within. It doesn't need to be outward, Lord. It comes from within. We know that. We need a kickstart. We need a jumpstart, Father. We need a little push. That's where the Spirit comes in. And Father, we need the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. We need Him to, to, be, to ignite, Father, to light us on fire for You. That's what we need, Father. When we are looking for renewal in our Christian life, we need the Holy Spirit to be activated. So we pray right now. We pray, Father, that You help us decide constantly to yield to the power that You have placed inside us. Help us yield to that power so that we can be filled with your Spirit and the outpouring of that Spirit in our lives, Father, can be evident to others as it works exactly how the Holy Spirit intended it to. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for that for each and every heart in this room. We pray for your Spirit to be active and alive because we're yielding to his power. We pray for that, Lord. As we leave here today, Lord, I know people are going to be traveling home, traveling to lunch. Let them think about the Spirit inside them, what they're indwelt with, this beautiful gift that's there. The electricity is there. Are we plugging into that electricity? Are we utilizing this power in our very lives that you've gifted us? Father, let us reflect. Let us think, Father. Let us meditate on this so that we can, Father, through prayer and through study, Lord, meditating on your word, let us become a, a yielding people, Father, people that give way to the power that you've given us so that we can work wonderful things and do wonderful works in our lives to your glory because we know that you use faulty instruments, Father. Use us. So we pray right now for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.